Season 2 of Hard to Believe is a proud part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can find this and other great shows at cageclub.me. The complete Season 1 archive is also available at hardtobelieve.me. This show is now available on YouTube. Just search Hard to Believe Podcast. You can email me at john at cageclub.me. We're on Facebook at Hard to Believe Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at ProbablyRealJB. That's P-R-O-B-A-B-L-Y-R-E-A-L-J-B. The show is written and produced by me. Hi, everyone. Before we start today, I want to ask a favor. If you enjoy the show and want to help it grow, we now have a Patreon. Just head over to patreon.com slash hardtobelieve. And if you join at the $5 level, you'll get some bonus content as well as a shout out on the show. If you can't afford it, I get it. That's fine. You can still support the show by heading over to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us grow a lot. Thanks for your support. And thanks, as always, for listening. I'm willing to bet that I know more than the average person about modern witchcraft. And there's some obvious reasons why. One, interest in the occult and neo-paganism spilled over a lot into the goth subculture of the 1990s when I was in high school, and I hung out a lot with the goth kids in high school. Some of them even considered themselves adherents to Wicca, which is a formal religion built around the practice of witchcraft that really took off in popularity in the 1990s. But also, I studied religion in college, and I was especially into researching what we now tend to call new religious movements, which meant I read a bunch of Starhawk and learned from some of the local neo-pagan practitioners. But alas, it's been a long time since the 90s. I live in New England in a fairly straightforward white Christian area, and I'm busy raising three kids and working, so my connection to that world is frayed considerably. I've known for a while that I wanted to talk to some modern witchcraft practitioners on the show, and so I did some research and I found a podcast called That Witch Life. Hosted by best friends Hilary Whitmore, Kanani Soleil, and Courtney Weber, the show is often as hilarious as it is insightful, as these three best friends, who also happen to be witches, spend as much time discussing their everyday American lives as they do tarot and ritual and spirit communication. I've learned a lot from listening to their show, and I'm really excited to welcome all three of them here today. I'm John Brooks, and this is Hard to Believe. Well, thank all three of you so much for taking some time to talk to me. Um, Let's go around the the virtual room. I'm going to have all three of you introduce yourselves one at a time, if you would be so kind. My name is Kanani, and I'm from Portland, Oregon, and I am one of the co-hosts of That Witch Life podcast. And my name is Courtney. I am also from Oregon, but I spent a long time in New York City. And so depending on how much to drink I've had, my accent might come back. Um, (laughs) And... But it also could be a Southern accent because I also was born in the South. So you just really never know what's coming up. But I am also a co-host of That Witch Life podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Uh, My name is Hillary. I am from Oregon originally. I spent a number of years in London and a number of years in uh, the Bay Area. And now I'm back up in the Pacific Northwest with these two psychos doing a podcast (laughs) on witchcraft. Yay. It all comes back together. Full circle. Full circle. Um, can you just explain a little bit about what your podcast is all about? Um, we are three best friends. We have known each other. Um, Kanani and I have known each other since middle school and Hillary and I have known each other since early high school. And, um, we, all three of us went off in separate directions, um, and lived very different lives for well over a decade. But during that time, we all 
honed our own practices of witchcraft. So when we all ended up back in our hometown, we had a lot to say about it. And so we um, interview guests from the witchcraft world. Our guests have ranged from uh, prominent Llewellyn authors to Stormy Daniels, um, to Helena Garcia from the Great British Baking Show, um, and Rachel True, so we, from the, who was in the craft. So we've had some really incredible guests. And we've also had um, people that you may never have heard of that keep a very low profile, but are doing just absolutely wonderful witchcraft work. And it's also just about living as a witch and you know, talk about the magic we practice, but also talking about the times that we fall asleep and forget to honor the full moon, because that's also part of being a witch. And we dive into pop culture and um, a lot of tangents that have nothing to do with anything witchcraft related. I think I pretty much covered it. Did I get anything wrong? No, I think that's right. I mean, we, you know, we kind of dabbled in witchcraft and the occult in quotations. Uh, when we were younger, we were interested but we kind of, again, we, you know, after high school, everyone kind of goes there. We w went to different countries, different states. Um, and it's, it's an interest, it's interesting how, when we kind of reconnected, I mean, we, it's not that we didn't stay in touch over the years, but when we really were back in the same city and, and actively uh, seeing each other more regularly and talking more regularly, it was like, oh, wait a minute, are, we're all practicing. And, and our stories and the background of how we got to where we are today are very different individually. And so it's kind of, a, it's, it's neat. And I think it's, it's something that really led us to want to do this podcast, which is there is no specific, there's no right way to do it. Right. So we just felt like this was a good opportunity to show people that, you know, there, there isn't a right way to, to do witchcraft and there's lots of different paths you can take. So we thought that we could use our experiences to help others uh, find their own experiences and on their own journey. I think also one of the things that really brought us um, kind of the idea of uh, and liking the idea of doing this podcast was the fact that, you know, much like any religion and faith, um, there's kind of stigmas that are associated with it and uh, misconceptions that are associated with it. And a lot of people, you know, you'll as you're learning, will tell you, oh, we're not doing that right, or you have to do it this way. And our, our varied experiences have showed us that, you know, there isn't one right way to do things. And a lot of people come to it and it's very personal and they do their own thing and it's no less valid and it's, it's no less, you know, it, it doesn't not work because it's not the way that someone else does it. And so that was one of the things we really loved was breaking all those myths and stereotypes and taboos and and just talking about you know what fun it can be and how different it can be and meeting people that do it differently and embracing those differences i, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the um the stories of the the lost years uh, among you guys when you guys kind of went your separate ways um did would you say that all three of you discovered sort of your um your spiritual identity in the same way or or um it's like when you reconnected and you sort of realized that you were kind of all on the same spiritual page uh were there were there notable differences in terms of the stuff that you've maybe read or experienced or um or or studied uh, in that in those interim years oh completely very different yeah so like Hillary was in Europe for a lot, long part of this time. And then she was in the Bay area. And so, so, I mean, for me, for me, it was like this. So I, I mean, I grew up uh, Presbyterian and got sent to Catholic school and I had this, 
I think because of that experience, uh, a desire to not be affiliated with the religion, right? I was like, this isn't for me. And all I knew at that stage of, of my life was, uh, was kind of more structured, uh, witchcraft, like the Wiccan tradition. Right. So, um, I, I, I was like, this seems like another structure and I don't, so I was like, well, I don't, that doesn't seem right. And I mean, I know, again, no hate to anyone that if this isn't a, is this isn't bashing, bashing people that practice Wicca. It's just wasn't for me. Um, and I was like, well, that doesn't feel right to me. And I didn't know there was anything else. So I was like, well, I guess I'm an atheist. Like, I just kind of was like, well, I just, you know, okay. And I just was, I would say when people would ask, I'd be like, well, I'm spiritual. And I read a lot of books and I, you know, and I, but as I started to meet other people that I realized were practicing witches that didn't follow that weren't Wiccan or, or followed a, a myriad. I mean, like every single person was different. I'm like, Oh, well this person, pa- you know, practices, you know, plant magic and this person over here does this and this person over here. And so once I realized that there's, there was so much more out there than what I was even aware of, that's when I really got hungry to like dive into what was out there and what I felt specifically called towards. And then that's, and then I, you know, once I kind of started to weed through, types of magic and types of practice is where I was able to find what worked for me and then built my practice and kind of dove into literature, um, around that specific type of practice, which for me is mostly work with plants and herbs, um, and some work with stones, but very like earth-based, uh, magic. Yeah. She's very much a Taurus listeners in case you wonder that's, that's all holy. I'm like all Taurus and Virgo. Like if you look at my chart, it's like Taurus, 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 Virgo, 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 Virgo. <laughs> so it's like the earthiest of all Earths. My wife's a Taurus. So I, I... Yeah, so you it's get like it. very Earth really. <laughs> you get it. I would say I grew up with a very uh, kind of general uh, kind of light Christian background. Um, I was not raised. I used to actively attend other people's churches because I was always very interested and fascinated with the concept of religion. Yeah. And so I would go with friends on Sundays to their church. I'd been to all different kinds of churches. I did uh, youth groups when I was older. Eventually I got burned uh, at one of the youth groups by some of the people. And I just felt that they were just terrible. And I, I wrote off the idea of ever going to church again. And, um, I was, but I was raised with kind of a belief in angels and spirits and ghosts and, you know, that there's an afterlife and all these, these things. And, and, uh, I remember when we were in high school, I bought Courtney, her very first tarot deck. And so we would do tarot, things like that. And then when I was older and I'd bought a home, the woman after they'd, she had sold the home uh, she came back, she, she passed away like two months later and then was haunting the home. And I ended up living in this house with all this spirit activity and things that were happening and all these things I could see and hear and doors that were opening and the stove would come on and all this, this crazy stuff where I was like, okay, well, I can't really pretend this isn't happening. So I guess I need to figure out what the heck to do about it. And so I started going to a nearby, uh, kind of, new age witchy shop and, and taking some classes and and talking to people and, and getting to know things. Um, I also had no interest in any type of a structured religious, uh, concept. And so for me, it was very much just what spoke to me, what didn't speak to me. Uh, I did not practice Wicca. 
because uh, it, it is actually a structured religion. I mean, and mm-hmm. same as same as Hillary. Some people do no no judgment, but Wicca itself, people get very confused. They think that people who practice witchcraft are Wiccans. That is not necessarily true. Wicca is actually a a religion in and of itself. And so I kind of would just do more, you know, different kinds of spiritual practices and things that when you add it all up as a lump sum, you kind of learn, okay, well, I guess I'm witchy. I guess that's just what I do. And it took a very long time for me to embrace the name. Um, because like, like Hillary said in the beginning, you're just like, you just tell people, oh no, I'm just spiritual. I'm just spiritual. And I, I still meet a lot of people like that. And I kind of giggle. And a lot of them uh, will come to me and ask me questions and things like that. And they're not comfortable with the title because there's such a misconception and a stigma about the title that, that that's a common phrase is they'll just say, oh, well, I'm just a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. And so it, it feels safer than to just be like, oh, well, I do witchy things, even though the reality is they just do witchy things and that's okay. And so that for me was kind of how I started was... Um, through a lot of that kind of uh, spirit activity, things like that, and then just kind of exploring it from there and and finding something that that worked for me and made sense to me and 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 just kind of gave me that that answer that I was looking for in my in my search for you know kind of religion and all things all things like that. Um. So my story. Um... I feel like witchcraft in a formal sense chased me more than I chased it. Now I had been, um, I, I had been dabbling here and there. And I think people uh, associated me with witchcraft long before I associated myself with witchcraft. Like I, for example, like Kanani is giving me a tarot deck and I don't remember ever asking her for a tarot deck. I did in fact point to it in the mall and said, this is what oh. I want for my 16th birthday. And I said, okay, <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. I, I'm just sitting here I'm telling myself the story of how did she know? And I'm like, oh, because I told her. I told her to get it for me. Actually, that's, the that's best thing was, it was in the science discovery store in the mall. Oh, shut up. No, it was. <laughs> it was near like the astronomy stuff. It was in a yes. science discovery store, like Discovery Channel store in the mall. Yeah, because back in the day, the malls would not have witchy stuff in them. And so we wouldn't, it would be tough to to get it because we could, we could really just go to the mall because we you know, that's where our parents would let us go. But if they found out we were going to the new age store in downtown Beaverton, they'd be like, why? So it's, you know, I, I grew up, I grew up, uh, my parents, my, my mom is very, uh, very devout Christian and her family is all Southern Baptist. And my dad, um, my dad's family is, is Catholic just in case I think is the right way to put it. Um, and so we went through the, we went through catechism and I appreciated a lot of the aspects of Catholicism. I did love the rituals. I loved, um, but the um, there's just there's always something interesting about the faith when you dig into it. But the problem I had, especially as I was getting into high school, was um, a lot of the politics and the way that they were, um, you know, especially especially young women got treated by the church. Um, and I, uh, you know, I I you know we were so entrenched with it in our Catholic high school. And there's a short time when Hillary and I actually boycott um, a an assembly because they were making us come and listen to why anyone who was 18 should vote against the assisted suicide bill, but they didn't present an argument for it. Oh yeah. They basically, they basically assigned that as homework. They were like, you're going to go home 
and you're going to tell everyone why death with dignity is wrong. And this is evil. And, but, but they presented it as we're going to go, we're going to teach you. So you know what this is about, but really they just spewed lies on one side. And it was interesting because my grandmother had worked very closely on that bill. So I was well aware of the non-Catholic view on this bill. And I was like appalled that this was the case. And I stood up along with Courtney and a few of our other friends and walked out of this assembly and we almost got suspended for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was the only thing is that the principal was a nun and she kept saying to us, if that's what you feel in your heart, we said, we do. <laughs> and she's like, are you, are you sure that's what you feel in your heart? Yes, sister. We do. We're going to go to the library. We were, we were good. We didn't like go skip school. We went to the library. They said, well, then you can go to the library and do your homework. We're like, okay. So we did. We didn't do our homework, but we did go to the library, you know. <laughs> and so uh, it was that kind of that. It was that kind of thing. And just also hearing all the things that some of my classmates would um, go through in order to prevent pregnancies or uh, uh, perform their own abortions, um, and just the the very um, you know, and uh, like the way. Just I think it was, you know, it was honestly less the religion itself and the more the culture around Catholicism and the the silencing and the ignoring of abuse and the 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 power grabs by wealthier families that would affect our education there was just a lot of things with it and I'm like you know what I'm out and so I started inventing my own religion which I called Courtneyism nice and Courtneyism was yeah it was pretty great because (laughs) yeah it was about there was like there were you know you could work with spirits you could practice magic you know, um, God was more of an energy and not just some judgy dude in the sky and, you know, all of these, and then all these things. And then, um, I ended up picking up a book, which actually was on Wicca. And I went, Oh, this is, you know, um, this, there are people out there that are like me and they don't call themselves Courtneyists. They call themselves Wiccans or they call themselves witches or pagans. They don't call themselves Courtneyists. So I just have the label wrong, which is easy to switch out. So I just switched out the label. And um, when I started, the, like, I should come forward and let people know. I said, well, I'm a witch. Everyone's like, yeah, we knew. And I'm like, they're, I'm like oh. they're like, well, you are reading tarot cards to everybody. You're always talking about the dreams you had of the dead. And we, you were totally into Tori Amos. They're wearing glitter all the time. So what else, what else did we think? And I'm like, oh, 90s witchcraft, 90s witchcraft. Um, and then I ended up moving to New York City because I was pursuing a career in theater, which I stopped pursuing as soon as I got there. And um, I ended up starting a coven of this, or what we called ourselves progressive witches. Um, you know, we celebrated the different holidays, the eight ones of the year, but there was a very strong focus on community. So like we did rituals that were about promoting um, gay marriage in the state of New York. Um, we did rituals to ban fracking. Um, we did a lot of, um, of fundraisers and a lot of work when, you know, for different causes, um, including like after, after, um, Hurricane Sandy, we did a big ritual of healing for the city. Um, So it was very much community focused. And I started taking my path more into this very interfaith world. So I attended a seminary for a year alongside a lot of Christians and Buddhists. And, you know, there was this poor, poor Kansas farm boy who was just like a living embodiment of Clark Kent, just real sweet. And he came to Union. He's like, I'd never met a Catholic before. And I'm sitting next to a Wiccan. I didn't know what to do with that. And then later, um, it, I called. I went. I called myself Wiccan in seminary because it was just easier than trying to explain what a witch was. But I honestly, as I was doing this work, realized that that really 
didn't apply to me because there are specific rituals and a, a specific formula for joining Wicca that I've actually never done. So I eventually just said, you know, that's not me. And not and same thing, no shade. It's just kind of a reality of like, if I were to do that, I would, there are certain things you need to do. Um, and I got pretty burned out because I was focusing a lot more on leadership than I was focusing on, on witchcraft and magic. And then coming back to Oregon, I was like, I'm not leading anything. I'm not organizing anything. But um, Kanani and I had people adding us on Facebook just because they thought that our riffing and exchanges on Facebook were so funny. They would get on just to watch us slam each other all day long. And then, um, then we were like, we need a sitcom, but that's too much work. We should get a radio show, but not enough people listen to radio anymore. I know. Let's do a podcast. And Kanani's like, what's that? And I said, it's where we people come and listen to us. And talk, let's talk about witchcraft. She's like, okay. And then we found out Hillary was moving back to Portland. We're like, uh, literally, Kanani was like, oh, this will give us legitimacy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, Kanani, I've written three books on witchcraft at this point. She's like, yeah, and we need Hillary to legitimize us. I was like. To legitimize <laughs> us. I don't know <laughs> who thought that was a good idea. It's like but when I didn't... had everyone convinced that you had Ebola when Ebola was in, was in the was in the Northeast because I kept sending her Ebola memes, and people were convinced they were writing her going, "Do you, ha- do you are you okay? Do you need some assistance?" And I'm like, "No." And then the worst part was I ended up having to get tested for Ebola because I had a I had the flu and I went into the clinic and they were like, "Have you been in contact with anyone?" Have you been to Liberia or anyone in contact with anybody from Liberia? And I had a tarot client whom I had seen, and she was a nurse going to Liberia. And so I said, yes, I have had contact with someone. And they came marching in. They're like, when were you in Liberia? And I'm like, I wasn't, but one of my clients was. And then they're like, okay, we got to test you. I'm like, fuck. We say oh, fuck God. Myself. You're like, I have Ebola. I'm like, just the fact that I have to get tested from it. So much more material to work with. <laughs> So then when when we came back and Kanani got attacked by a cat, she tried to kidnap. And I had rabies. And she had rabies. So I'm like, we're going to tell everyone that she has rabies. And people were like, Courtney, why are you being so mean to Kanani? Because I'm like, listen, five years ago, she started a rumor on the internet that I had Ebola. So I'm getting her back because she has our ass rabies. For your listeners, neither one of us has ever had rabies or Ebola. Yeah, well, you can't contact that but- through podcasts anyway. So um, yeah, you're good. <laughs> as far as I know. Yes, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I mean, if twenty, if twenty twenty is anything to show we us trust, that we trust nothing. crazy shit could happen, you might anytime. Want to be yeah, anytime. Just stop manifesting things. Um, <laughs> Please. Courtney, I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I feel like you and I may have crossed paths at some point because um, I worked at uh, the Cathedral of St. John the Divine for 10 years. So it's yeah. Oh, you guys used to have that Oregonist concert around Halloween. Yeah. Oh, you not know how many witches went to worship when you all would start playing Dance Macabre and all the other things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved St. Yeah. John the Divine. Totally the witch. Yeah, we did some like pagan shit all the time. You did. It was yeah. I I actually never did a ritual there. Um, we were always at the gay center downtown. Um, yeah, and so that was that was a place that we we tended to convene because um, I I had some people in my community that even a cathedral as open and accepting as Saint John the Divine was still too much. Returning to, I mean, a lot of people come to witchcraft and paganism because of trauma in Christianity, and so. So there was like, and I was working with some people that were incredibly, um, incredibly hurt. And, you know, just even walking into a cathedral would, would have been, 
would have been hard for them. So I'm like, you know what, we're just going to go to this, this community center that supports people that have HIV and AIDS and other, other things going on. Um, the gay center is actually a huge resource center for uh, queer people in the city, but yeah. I want to talk about magic if, if we could. Hillary, I, I kind of want to start with you because uh, I know that you're, uh, you're a, a voice teacher um, I am, and that yes. you've, that you've, you've, you've sung uh, professionally, yep. right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that I often talk about with my students and talking about the idea of magic and how the uh, the Bible even has a lot to say about the sort of magic power of the voice, right? The Genesis 1 has God creating the universe by saying stuff. And, and you know, we talk about how I can say to you, don't think of an elephant and like literally control your mind because it makes you think of an elephant, right? And, right, uh, immediately. And, and there's a there's a there's a mysterious quality about that. And I'm wondering if you think that there is a um, like in your own practice and in your own life and in your own experience as a vocalist, if if you have um, equated or sort of married the idea of magic and um, singing and music in general. Um, and then also, if you guys could just talk about like what magic means to you uh, in terms of you know, sort of fact versus fiction, um, the, the way that it plays out in the world. Sure. So, um, I mean, I absolutely think that, well, okay, let's start here. So vocalization, incantation, and words have been used to affect change and in religious practice of all kinds since the begin since, since as far as we know, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I do believe that the voice is really powerful. And I think that I mean, does that mean that every time someone sings or talks that they're manifesting something? Not necessarily. Um, but I do believe that it can be used. And I certainly use because outside of I mean, I sing opera and outside of singing opera and and teaching voice, I you do a lot of uh, of ritual that involves vocalization. Um, I, I've used it uh, in in both magical practice, but also to help people overcome things, because I think that there is something uh both really uh, equally uh, vulnerable and powerful about vocalizing. So I think that uh, it's all about how you use it. And I do think it can be an incredible tool. Um, as I mean, as I said, you know, in religious practice, from as far as we can go, there has been, there's been the use of music, uh, specifically chant. Uh, and so there is power to that. And there is certain, there is certainly, um, there's certainly something there. Like, could I pinpoint what that is? No, uh, because I don't, because I think it, it, it lies hugely on the person that's vocalizing. Um, again, if, 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 if someone's just whistling a tune, does that, I mean, we could get into the, the psychological schematics of what, of, of like what music produces, but that would be like an entire, I mean, that could be its own, <laughs> it could be its own podcast for years to get into yeah, it. Sure. Um, sure. but there, but, I do believe that there is something that happens uh, specifically with singing, with vocalizing, uh, it, whether that comes, I mean, there's like the vibrational sense of it, but there's also the emotion that comes through it. And I find that people are able to, or at least for me, uh, I'm able to tap into so much when I'm vocalizing because I go into a different place. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, you know, um, there's always those times where you're performing or you're singing and it's almost like you get lost, like you go somewhere else, but you're still doing the thing. And I feel like there's that, there's this like deeply meditative quality that vocalizing can have. Um, and for me, it allows me when I'm doing magical work to focus and hone 
things into something specific. So, and that that's whether I am the one creating the sound or whether I am utilizing sound and music or other vocal, other, other sounds to, to, as a, as a means of focusing my energy into something. Um, so for me, I think it's really powerful. I think that there is something there, uh, because it is, it is emotional, but it's also very visceral. You know, it's, it's an incredibly like, uh, I, I think an incredibly, uh, intimate process because it's, it, you know, I, I played the flute for years, I've, I've, years I've played other instruments, but there's something about singing because it's what you're, it's, you're creating that sound inside of you and whatever that vibration drums up is I, in my opinion, really, really powerful. Um, and then I think if you take that in and of itself and you, and you hone it into a specific spell or ritual or, you know, or you use it to manifest something, I think it adds another level that is really powerful. Um, Kanani, can you explain what magic within the, within the framework of, um, sort of your, your version of witchcraft is and is not? I think one of the most common misconceptions when people think of someone in their witchcraft is they assume, uh, things like, you know, we believe in these insane, you know, these, these crazy things like, you know, if you get really, really sick, you know, just hold this crystal and, and, and drink this tea, you know? And it's like, right. no witches believe in, in science. You know, I'm, I'm going to call my doctor and I'm going to say, I'm not feeling very well right now. And, and I need some help. Um, so I, I think some of the things that it is not is it is not a replacement for mental health treatment. If you are having problems with anxiety, depression, things like that, uh, it is not a replacement for, um, you know, for mental health treatment, for for medical treatment, for or for hard work. Um, one of the things that I think people get surprised by is part of doing magic and manifesting things and spell work is your intention and it is your action. So if you just sit on a bed and just think really, really hard, you know, I want a great job. I want a great job. I want a great job, but you're not applying for jobs and you're not looking for want ads and you're not updating a resume and you're not doing all these other things that can really help you to achieve your goal and manifest what you're trying to focus on. You're probably not going to get it. So I think that that's for me, my magical practice involves it involves a lot of candle magic. Um, I do do a lot of incense mostly because uh, for me, I, I love the smell and the smell can change my mood. And that just kind of helps me in general to be in a, in a good mood or a positive mood. And the lighting of the candles and sitting for me has a very kind of meditative aspect, which helps me to focus and think about the things that I'm trying to do and think about the things that I'm trying to put uh, energy into. And, you know, I believe in the concept of energy. I believe in, you know, like when people do prayer circles, you know, when people are calling people and say, please send, you know, positive energy to this person who has, you know, uh, you know, cancers in the hospital, please send them positive energy, you know, please think good things. I believe in that. I believe in the collective power of that. And I believe that that comes from our intention and our, our love and our ability to kind of shape, shape some energy and, and send some of that out and use it to kind of manifest things for ourselves. So mm -hmm. 
I think for myself, it's about how the use of spells and the use of ritual help me to focus and help me to kind of ground into what I'm trying to do more than me just thinking I'm doing something and now something's just going to happen. And I think that's a very common misconception because that's a question I get asked a lot of Mm -hmm. people who think, oh, well, you're just going to do this and then this happens. And it's like, (laughs) well, no, you you still need to do X, Y, and Z. Like (laughs) you're not completely out of the equation here. So I think that that's, that's some of the myths that, that really shock people is, is to hear, you know, that witches, you know, believe in science. We, we believe in, you know, medical practice and, and seeking mental health treatment and, and things like that. And, you know, I think another reason why people are really coming to this as part of witchcraft is the love and respect of nature and the environment, Mm -hmm. which a lot more people are tapping into. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of looking back at the, the native American roots and indigenous roots of people who've practiced this and always understood the importance of of nature and how you treat it and how it affects your community the the climate and and the culture that you live in and so i think that a lot of people are going back to you know much more basic simple concepts and realizing that a lot of that is a part of you know spirituality or the practice of you know different forms of magic and energy work and witchcraft so you're saying you should get the COVID-19 vaccine and then use magic to make sure it works. Yes! <laughs> get the vaccine! Fucking vaccine. Get the damn vaccine. As opposed to just praying that you're not going to get COVID-19 and assuming that's going to do it no. for you, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. No, get yeah. the vaccine. And, you know, here's a little example of something of, of a daily, you know, occurrence that I think a lot of your listeners would probably kind of relate to. There was actually... The years have gone. I don't understand what year we're in right now. So I don't know if this was two years ago. I don't know if this was last year. I don't know if it was three you. weeks ago. But there was a very popular Disney star who had died. His name was, I believe, Cameron Boyce. It was so sad. He was in all these movies that my children love, all their favorite TV shows. He was one of the actors in. And he passed away. And it was, my kids were so sad. And you know, here it's a, it's a celebrity, right? They don't know this person. And yet, you know, this is still a a sad thing that's happened in the world and they understand that. And so we lit a candle and we said a little prayer and we said a little blessing and we said a little blessing for him to find peace and to be at peace because apparently he had had a medical condition that he had lived with unbeknownst to most people. And also for the people around him who loved him, and all the people, you know, who are going to be impacted by this death to feel peace and to, you know, uh, have some solace in, in what's happening and hope that he's, you know, he's going to be in a better place. So what's funny is a lot of people aren't going to think that's witchcraft. Right. They're going to think, oh, well, we do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that that's <laughs> candle true. magic. Yeah. That's candle magic. That's what we did. We lit a candle. We we said a little prayer and we sent, you know, positive energy out for for him and his spirit and those that have loved him. And, you know, my kids were able to kind of work through that a little bit and process that. And that's that's magic. 
It's funny because that that strikes me. I, I think what you're saying is that it's sort of the it's the kind of thing that people who kind of want to retain some religiousness, but like don't want to get all Jesusy about it, like that's that's what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's never ever uh, sort of put into that context of like no, this this comes from an actual tradition, and there's there's um, there's, there's a rationale behind it. And it's funny because when people often ask me like what I do, they're always disappointed. Always. <laughs> Because they think you don't it's make something a hex world where like you turn your life into a sitcom and like yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. they think it's something like crazy <laughs> and spooky and weird and like I'm in this dark room and you know they just think all these things and I'm like oh you know I put out a plate of food for my ancestors and I lit a candle and then I I watched a movie and went to bed and they're just like what like that's not cool at all like I don't understand like they get so I think there's a lot of misconceptions so I always love you know, when people actually do try and learn and when I talk to people, because like I said, they're always disappointed. They always right. think it's so much weirder than it actually is. And um, and then there's a lot of times when people who are actively spiritual themselves and go to a church or something, they realize that a lot of the things they do are the exact same things I do. And then they often have some difficulty processing that as well. <laughs> um, Courtney, I want to turn to you for a second, because one of the things that um, I'm kind of curious about in that there's there's really two things that I think um, make or, or sort of drive people to religion um, beyond the sort of stereotypical, like, I'm afraid of dying, right, element to it. Which is real and valid. Which is real and valid, sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. but, but beyond that, right, which, which, which can be a source of, I think, a lot of negative stereotype um, and also sort of negative impulses sometimes. Um, it seems to me that you know the two things that really drive people to religion are um, a connection to the past, right? A connection to a um, historical or sort of ancestral um, uh, continuum, and then also the need for a, a community, a, 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 you know, people to hang out with who kind of share your your worldview. Um, I'm going to come to the second part in a second, but but you being the I, I think it's fair to say like most sort of academic minded of the three of you, um, you know, having written books and uh, about this sort of thing i what haven't even I... read her book yeah she's the can i, I have a copy the... of them prominently she on put... my bookshelf there you go she That's all, yeah. them as decorations they're literally decorations <laughs> um the, the, worst. The, the thing the thing about the history of witchcraft um as, <laughs> as i see it is i think there's a couple of problems one is you know, you think of someone like Gerald Gardner, who's kind of problematic because it seems like a lot of the stuff that he maybe um, wrote about, he made up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's 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 that issue, and then there's this like weird murkiness to it, where a lot of the people who were accused of being witches in the past weren't, right? Um, right. And a lot of the people who you might define as witches were eradicated, um, and so there's. It's, it seems harder than most religions to dig up the past and really find that um, that continual narrative. Um, how do you go about doing that uh, in, in, in your own work? Like, how have you been able to um, uncover things that um, establish a kind of historical tradition of what you're doing? Well, I want to clarify something first. Uh, when we talk about like the, the witch hunts and um, the the witch trials and all of that, um, the very understanding of what a witch was, was very different than what we have now. And 
the people that were murdered for witchcraft, um, you know, a lot of them were actually Jewish. And so like the Inquisition, yeah, the Inquisition, you know, was largely, yeah, attacking people, um, people of, of the Jewish faith and accusing them of witchcraft, especially, especially the women. Um, there was, you know, it, it really depends on what period of history. There was a period of time in which um, fears of disease and really xenophobia, being afraid of foreigners, um, you know, you may not recognize some of the um, cultural practices that they have, which um, were probably likely, you know, I, I, whether it's, um, you know, Christianity, or they're a ver different version of Christianity or methods of folk religion that they thought was Christianity. It's like, um, even the understanding of Christianity has changed a lot since, you know, the, the Middle Ages when you're looking at witch hunts. And so there really was no eradication of, of, of a pagan religion by sword point. That is not true. Um, the, you know, the pagan faiths um, were, you know, basically it was like the rich people all converted and the common people all basically kept doing what they had been doing. And then, you know, you had somebody show up and it's like, okay, so you're, you know, your, your priest, your priestess of the, of the old faith is no longer here, but here's this Catholic guy and he's going to just continue to do all the same rites, which is, by the way, you guys are all Christian now. They're like, okay, whatever. You know, in general, that's kind of how it happened. Um, there were, there were, yeah, there were a few places. Um, Lithuania, I think is one area where there was actually a forced, forced conversions, but for the most part, Christianity just kind of sat on top of paganism and put a new name on it because it was really the religion of the ruling class. So whatever the ruling class was believing, that's officially what the region was, no matter what people were practicing. It really wasn't until about 1200, uh, 1100, 1200, when the Roman Catholic Church was like, listen, we really need to put some principles in place. People are doing some crazy shit all over the place. They're turning women into bishops over in Ireland. You know, they're painting eggs in the Ukraine. Uh, we just need to let make it formal that this is how you be Christian. So here's some new rules. And people were like, okay. And by the time those rules got there, it, it just, you know, a lot of those beliefs just kind of just really stayed in the fold. I mean, with a lot of these, and I'm speaking from European traditions, because that's my, my area of expertise, you just scratch the surface a little bit on the Catholic or Christian practices and, oh, excuse me, Catholic or Protestant practices. But underneath, you're seeing all the cultural pagan practices that go back since you know, the Bronze Age or later, you know, <laughs> so, um, but I, I do need to make that very clear that there really wasn't a forced conversion of people in Europe from their, their pagan faiths to Christianity. It just kind of happened over about a thousand years slowly. And then, you know, they put new labels on it. But I, I, my feeling is most people didn't even notice that they'd become Christian. They're like, okay, you know, whatever, we still need to bless the crops. So, I hope this new father guy is going to take care of that because otherwise I don't want to deal with whatever is whatever you know we're concerned about. Um, so and so um, the idea of the idea of, of the, that area of like witchcraft being something that people were afraid of, you know, the the revival in like the 40s and 50s with Gerald Gardner was really an attempt at reviving an indigenous pagan practice to the British Isles. But then there was this sense of, of wanting to identify with um, a native faith that had long been abandoned. You know, we're talking thousands of years have been abandoned. So there was an attempt and not a whole lot of information existed about it. So there was an attempt and he picked up some of that, some of that from what he knew. And, 
He also adopted a lot from a lot of ceremonial lodges. And then he made some stuff up. And honestly, I don't really care because a lot of religions come from a, from origins of people having divine inspiration. And they have, it eventually becomes becomes a, something that people can adhere to. The difference is now because we have more recent records, we have better record keeping and more literate people, we can trace back to the beginnings of a religion like Wicca and go, that's not right. But you know what? It's me. It's very meaningful for a lot of people now. So, okay, let's just roll with it. Um, but the idea of the witch, I don't feel like it's like we're telling people who witches really are. We're actually changing what it means to be a witch and embracing things that people had at one time really feared. You know, um, it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to spirits. Okay. And that at one time might have frightened people and been like, Oh, I don't know what you're doing with those spirits or, Oh, that's the, that's of the devil. And we're like, uh, the devil is, is a Christian creation. If I don't identify as Christian, I don't know why I have to worry about the devil. You know, I, you know, that's, that's, that's what, uh, what one witch Dakota St. Clair said in one of our interviews, she's like, I'm really not worried about breaking the rules of Zoroastrianism. Or, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like, I, I'm not part of that faith. So why should I worry about what will happen? They, they, they were, they were like, I'm not concerned. I mean, that's just not a contract that I've made with the divine. And that's kind of where I was at too. Just like, that's really not my, not my bag. Um, so I think now the idea of the witch is, um, is, is more than just, um, someone who is casting spells. There's a lot of times people are adopting the word witch as a way to step up to authority. There's a recognition about, about the really toxic legacy. I'm going to say organized Christianity. I'm not saying like the faith or the people who practice it. I'm talking about like the institutions. Um, and there are many of them, so not all are alike, but we all, you know, when we're looking at what's, what's happened in our government here in the United States for the last few years, we know that there's a lot of, of manipulative and power grabbing and, and, um, a lot of really scary things that the church has either, either lent support to or outright engineered. So, um, be, some people call themselves witches because they're rejecting that. And, you know, which the, the term witch has been embraced by a lot of feminists. Um, you know, I draw a line. Or who I call a witch, um, if somebody is practicing magic and they, they they themselves identify as a witch, then I'm like, awesome, I agree with you. Um, I don't think, I don't agree if someone is not practicing magic, is not, you know, have some kind of uh, craft and routine that is about connecting with the spiritual and manifesting change, um, that they just call themselves a witch because they believe in it as um, an archetype, an ideology, um, a pro-woman, a pro-feminist thing. Um, I just don't agree with it. I don't ha I don't think it's anything that's wrong or abusive or offensive. I'm just like, no, if you're not actually casting a spell once in a while, you are an awesome person doing wonderful work that I really support, but I'm not going to agree that you are a witch, you know? <laughs> and at the same time, I don't go around labeling people of other cultures who do similar things that I do, I don't go around and give them that label of witch because that may not be appropriate for their culture and background. So um, in a lot of indigenous faiths, there's, um, there is a practice of working with ancestors and working with herbs and working to manifest changes and honoring the change, the seasons, connecting with the moon, a lot of things that, that Kanani and Hillary and I do in our own way, but I don't call that person a witch. I'm not going to be the first one to say it. If they call themselves a witch, Yay, I agree with them. I'm like, absolutely, I see that in you, but I don't go around passing out the title. 
except that time I passed it out to Kanani because she was hanging up brooms and chasing ghosts out of her house. And she was refusing to go to church. And I said, you know, I would kinda, I would kind of need to say, I think you're a witch. And she's like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I remember for a long time, I didn't, I didn't use the title or really, I'm like, no, I'm just spiritual. I remember her walking through my house when we were in our early 20s. And she's just like, oh, yeah, candles all over the house. Yeah, not a witch. Oh, look, there's brooms hanging on the wall as a decoration. Totally normal. Witches don't do that. And I'm just like, all right, fine. Fine. <laughs> I'm Tori Amos posters everywhere. Um, yeah, no, not in Kanani's house. Not in my house. I was, listening, I was listening to Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. So I, I was not, not also, a Tori Also divine. Um, exactly. <laughs> I want to talk about the other part because the three, the three of you are um, not affiliated with, you know, you're sort of independent, right, in terms of your um, religious identity. Uh, so, so, you know, specifically, you're not part of the, the Wiccan movement, which, again, as you said, is, is, is structured. Um, a lot of what people seek is that structure. Um, I, I, I just kind of wonder for the three of you, I know, I know you have each other, you have the podcast, etc. Um, but how do you go about building community how do you how do you take your sort of independent um you know witchcraft model uh and then build a uh a spiritual community around it well i mean that's part of why we wanted to do this podcast i mean i think that there are there is community out there and especially you know in now you can go online and you can find community everywhere Yeah, everywhere yeah. so but before it was like if you weren't in an area that was particularly that had like a you because it used to be you know as courtney said we'd, we'd go to that like one shop that did like you know <laughs> that had like kind of new agey or spiritual shop that had books on witchcraft i mean or or there would be like maybe a pagan or a witchcraft store and that was like your only access. And now, I mean, because of the internet, you can go and I mean, you can find community all over the place, even if you're in an area where there isn't local community. Um, and part of the reason we wanted to do this podcast is, is to create that community for others. Because when we were growing up, it was like, those bookshops were our lifeline to this, right? So it's like, it, in, in doing this, we thought what, you know, when we started talking about the concept, it's like, what would we want this to be? And for us, it's like, we look back at when we were young and interested in witchcraft and trying to find our way, it was hard to find resources. Like, where do you go? Is it a good resource? Like, who do you talk to? It's, it's a t- kind of a taboo subject. People think you're crazy if you say, oh, I want to practice witchcraft. And I think that's shifted dramatically but still we wanted to provide a a resource for people that are looking to try you know to to get involved in witchcraft or have started their journey but don't really know where to go next we wanted to create that within the podcast and then the community around it and i think there's also a huge misconception that the community is much smaller than it is mhm because yeah, it's when large. people start actively seeking community no matter where you live i mean of course there are more rural parts where it's harder to find but i can tell you as someone who ships our etsy products we have shipped to every state in the united states and there are people everywhere that are listening to us and that write into us and i think almost every state in the united states has a pagan pride day 
And there's some like, for example, here in Portland, I've helped put that on for the last, I think, seven or eight years. And we, I think the most we ever got one time was we got a thousand people. And it's because, frankly, you can throw a rock and find a place where pagans are hanging out and doing some sort of (laughs) festival, activity, organization, ritual, weekend, retreat, something fun somewhere. There are other parts where you can get three to 4,000 people that show up for Pagan Pride Day because it's not as easy to access community. And so that one festival day will have a huge amount of people that'll show up in, in a, in a more, um, in a more rural type town or something like that. So I think there is a, I think there's a misconception that the community is much smaller than it actually is. It's actually quite huge. Um, people seem to, if you look or if you kind of listen to how people talk, you kind of realize, you know, that they might be a part of the community or interested in community. Um, my husband, for example, he is not, he doesn't practice. He's, he's not, a practicing pagan or, or witch or any of that type of things. He's pretty much agnostic. And I remember he was terrified the first time I told him I wanted him and the kids, we were going to go to a festival, a weekend <laughs> festival. And he was totally creeped out. He's like, why are you making me do this? It's going to be weird. And I'm like, it's just camping. And this is like <laughs> I said, this is where people get very disappointed. And he came and he had an absolute blast. And I remember he came up to me and he's like, the guy over there's a doctor. And I'm like, what did you think? Like, <laughs> they're not all carnies. Like, come on. There's doctors. There's nurses. There's. And carnies are awesome, by the way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got, I've, I would love to be a carny. I need amusement park food all day long. But anyways, um, but he was just, he had, there's this preconceived notion that I think a lot of people have. And then they experience it and they're like, that was pretty cool. That's not what I thought it was going to be, you know, and and so I think that's one of them is I think a lot of people think finding community is a lot more difficult than it is. And that's not to say there aren't places where it still is more difficult, but, you know, that's where things like podcasts and things like that can really help um, to one kind of. And I think part of it, too, is a lot of times people are nervous about seeking out community, especially in the beginning. It's a very solitary type concept. And I think that is, you'd mentioned a lot of people like the structure of Wicca. And to me, it's kind of funny. I think of Wicca almost sometimes as a gateway because when they come from organized religion and that's all they know, then I think a lot of times it's a little easier for them to go to a Wicca religion before they jump into the idea of you can kind of do whatever you want and that's kind of okay. That, that concept, when you're coming from a very strict organized religion, is really hard to wrap your brain around. And so I feel like a lot of people kind of go the wick away and then oftentimes will step into a much more broad spectrum kind of spirituality and practice. Um, before we go, there's one more thing I want to talk to you about, uh, specifically the three of you, because um, the Pacific Northwest is a place with a very weird energy and uh uh it is it's us it's because is that why no so the question is not is the pacific northwest haunted as fuck which i know it is uh the, uh-huh. the, <laughs> the question is why um and what is that energy and like what what um what what do you think attracts the three of you to to that to that 
that spot. Well, I mean, for, for us, it's, it's having grown up here. Sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, it just kind of gets into your skin like moss on the roof. Because <laughs> um, as long as I was in New York for 13 years, people would say, oh, you're from Portland. I see that. Because I was wearing pigtails uh-huh, and, uh-huh. And, a, and a dress with crinoline to the to the house party. So um, and we still listen to Nirvana. You know, oh, of course, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I, you know, honestly, I think everywhere is haunted. Yeah, everywhere is haunted. I, I, agree I think that the South is way more haunted than the Pacific. Oh yeah, I agree. Oh my God. Um, I haven't been to the Midwest, but I'm sure some of those farmhouses are full of ghosts. I mean, really now, <laughs> like and um, all the uptight, nasty pilgrims that were in that came over on the Mayflower. You know, they're haunted. Yeah. Yes. crap out of that place. Yeah, I mean, because I, well, yeah, I grew up in New England and, and you know, there's a special kind of haunted that New England yes. is. But I, there's, uh-huh. there's, yes. a, there's a weird sort of, I don't know what it is about the Northwest, because uh, I spent some time in, in the Seattle area when I was a teenager. And, and uh, there's something different about, like, the, the specific kind of... Um, you know, ethereal energy of, of that place. And I think if I were to, if I were to try and guess what that vibe comes from, I'm going to say it is because of its vastness, right? It's because there are like huge areas of forest that no one's even ever actually been to yet. And there's just, there's so much just, just, vastness that it just gives this this vibe and this openness of possibility and wonder and you know it's it's it just gives that it just gives off that energy and that vibe and you've got you know you've got oceans you have huge mountains you have huge forested areas that like i said some people have never even walked you have desert you have desert areas i think that it's just it's so diverse and it's just so vast that I think that's what gives it its kind of, and the forests especially give that very kind of, you know, possible, like what's in there, what's going on, you know? Yeah, what, yeah. yeah it's magic. Yeah, it just, it feels very innate. And this, uh, the raw, the raw landscape, um, and they're just not being, a lot of our people land. People on never, top of people on top of people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and there's, and a lot of our forests are, have basically been intact since long before the white people came in and started messing everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there is, um, a, a, there is a tapping into some very, very old spirits indeed. Um, that's, yeah. that's what I, what I think. Um, I, I agree but, with that. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a great place to be a witch. It is. <laughs> I can see that. Um, okay. So what is the most haunted place you've ever been to in your life? Any one of you. My house. Your house. My my previous house. Yeah. And I wouldn't say and I wouldn't say it was like scary haunted. It's just it had there was a lot of activity. There was a lot of spirit yeah, activity yeah. that would happen from one, the previous owner. I used to have visits. Other people would see them too of my kids before they were born. They used to play in the house. I so I knew I knew what I was having and I knew I was gonna have a girl and then I was gonna have a boy. I knew what they looked like, I knew how they were gonna act. Um, there were other, uh, spirits that I would see and hear and whatnot, um, in that house. And so I would say that house was particularly on the nut side. Yeah. And I think for me, uh, the state of South Carolina, hands down, there's so much that has happened there. Um, cause you've got, you've got, you know, native murder and removal, you have enslavement, you have a civil war, you have civil rights, 
And um, so there's just, and there's also a very deep unspoken belief among the people that the spirit world is right there. They won't always say it, but it, it's, um, you know, there's, it, so the, I, I say hands down, South Carolina is way more haunted than Oregon um, and um, have had probably like anytime I start to think like, maybe this is all in my mind. I end up visiting family in South Carolina and having an argument with a ghost in the middle of the night. And I'm like, oh, well, then, you know, this stuff is real. Yeah, for me, it's probably when I, areas of England that I was in. Just like <laughs> the whole other. It it's is. a different kind. I mean, I've certainly, there have certainly been haunted places here. Um, the Roseland Theater uh, downtown is like, cra- it, it's the, cra- I've seen some crazy shit there after hours. Um, and uh, it has a really bizarre history also. Um, but, but yeah, there's something, uh, you know, being in, I, there was something especially especially when I was in Wales uh I don't know that I went to, I was in this I stayed in this house that was built in the I think it was built in the 1500s right so it's like so it's, it's pretty new or part, yeah. of, part of the structure yeah. so it's new you know <laughs> part of the structure was at least um and yeah it was a different level because there was just so much history there or like touching a wall that was built by the Romans right I was like what the fuck you know so um yeah. I definitely experienced a lot of you know, kind of paranormal activity over there. But, but yeah, uh, definitely in this region, like the Roseland Theater, <laughs> some really scary shit in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think there's, it, I mean, everywhere is haunted, you know, as, as, um, as Courtney said, you know, there's, yeah. it exists everywhere. It has different vibes in different places, but, you know, it, but there are, there, I mean, there are spirits and energy in everything. Um, all right. I'm going to have to let you guys go because I, I could talk to you forever. And, um, you know, it's been an hour before, before we do that. Um, this is, you get to, you get to promote yourself here. So, um, this is the, the spot of the show where you can tell people how to find you and where to find you and, um, or not find you if that's what you want. So if <laughs> listeners, want... Oh no, we, 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 we want to be found. To be found. Um, we are, our podcast, we're on all platforms, that which life podcast. And, um, you can also, uh, we have our transcripts and also audio on our website, which is thatwhichlife.com. Um, Instagram, we do, we're very active there. We're very active on Twitter. Um, we're also very active on Patreon. Facebook, we release a yeah. lot of really great stuff. Face- yeah, Facebook. So um, just look us up, thatwhichlife.com. On Instagram, you can follow me at Courtney A. Weber or on, I just started a TikTok page and can use more people liking my stuff. So that's also <laughs> Courtney A. Weber with one B, not two. And I am Soccer Mom Morticia on Instagram. Oh my God, I love that. That's a great name. Uh, I am Operification on Instagram. Uh, and uh, and yeah, definitely come check us out uh, and check our Patreon out. We have great bonus content there. We have a ton of, uh, we do like, group rituals and all i mean there's all sorts of fun stuff so if you're looking to like dive a little bit deeper um than what you can get on the podcast it's a good place to find um a bunch of extra info yeah yeah <laughs> and thanks so much for having us on it's been so yes, fun thank oh you. my pleasure yeah again i wish i had another hour but um <laughs> kanani hillary courtney um thank you guys let's do it again sometime and long B.
streets together, now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low depth, make us so we're crazy. Death Row is the label that pays, man. Unfadeable, so please don't try to fake this. But uh, back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so I'ma let them understand. From a young G's perspective. And before me digger the bitch, I have to find a contraceptive. You never know she could be earning her man and learning her man. And at the same time, burning her man. Now you